This audio download is the extended version of the Family Life Today radio program. Your download is made possible by Family Life Legacy Partners. There are times when a conversation between a father and his daughter can be a little awkward. Hi, Julie. Hi, Jules. How was gymnastics? Good. I landed the double tonight. All right. Way to go. Jules, how are you doing with the guys? Um, okay. You know, your mom and I have been talking about you and all those boys who call on the phone. Great. Your mom and I just want to make sure you know what you stand for as you get old enough today. You know what I mean, buddy? I know, Dad. I want to ask you a very personal question. And and listen, you've got the freedom not to answer if you don't want to, okay? Sure, Dad. Why not? Have you thought through how far you're going to go? I mean, physically, with the opposite sex? Uh-huh. Well, then, would you mind telling me how far you intend to go? I know, Dad. Where are you going to draw your boundaries, Jules? Your limits? Dad, I know what's right and what's wrong, okay? Okay. I'll take that for an answer. For now. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the Friday edition. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and we also have uh, Dennis's wife, Barbara, joining us in the studio during this particular series and the tension in that car between that dad and that daughter. Do you hear her keep turning that radio up? <laughs> <laughs> she did not want to talk. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there, too. Had a few radios turned up on me in the in the conversation. This is a, a particularly difficult issue for parents to deal with with their children. We've talked on the last couple of broadcasts about how we've got to press through some of that uh, negative static we get from our kids and and get to the core issues around physical involvement, sexual involvement. But one of the uh, the other traps facing our children as they walk through the teenage years is a trap that is right alongside the trap of sexual intimacy. It's the trap of dating. In fact, it may be the gateway. I think you probably have to step in the dating trap <laughs> before you usually ever get to the sexual relationship trap. And that's where a lot of parents have got to be shrewd in this culture. You know, parents have got to realize that as our children grow up and into the teenage years, there are going to be these hidden traps, these hidden snares that will be set for them. And I think one of the biggest ones that they will face is this issue of dating. I think of the verse over in Psalm 142, verse 3, it says, When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. (laughs) Well, the psalmist didn't feel that, but a teenager ought to be able to say, I have a parent. I have a mom and a dad. I have a mom, a dad, and a grandparent who care about my way and who are looking out for the hidden snare 
of uh, dating and the attraction to the opposite sex. I, I think the big question, Barbara, for a lot of kids as they approach junior high and they start to develop some interest in members of the opposite sex is, when can I start? How soon can I start dating? And that question might creep up on you. Oh, I think it does creep up on you, just like a lot of this other stuff creeps up on parents of adolescents. We we discovered that early on with Ashley, our oldest. We were at a conference, and we were there with another family. And this other family had a son who was a year older than Ashley, and they had been friends for years. And, you know, we just didn't think a whole lot about it. But they decided one day they wanted to walk take a walk together and go get a Coke. And we let them go. And then kind of later on, we realized they spent some time together alone. And she was 12 and 13 years old. She was 12 years old. Yeah. And she kind of likes him and he kind of likes her. And gosh, I think she just had a date. (laughs) (laughs) And we just kind of realized all of a sudden that we had allowed her to spend time alone with a boy. And that seemed to be a good definition of a date. And we weren't prepared for that. But in essence, that is what happened with Ashley. She was alone with a boy that she liked, and he liked her, and and she really had her first date at 12. And, and Bob, I think what took place in our lives is, is true of so many parents. We find ourselves in a defensive posture, and we never have a chance to get to the offensive side of things. Mm-hmm. And instead of leading our child through this uh, trap-infested pathway, we end up dancing around these issues trying to figure out what you know? What's the child doing? They're on a date. They're going on other dates, and and they have boyfriends and girlfriends, and then all of a sudden they're going out with each other, and they're 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 in love with each other, and and all of these issues crowd in around you. And as a parent, you're not truly setting a course. Instead, the child is leading you. Mm-hmm. Dating today has become just the accepted practice mm-hmm. of American teenagers. It's just what you do when you're in junior high and in senior high. And many parents have said, well, I guess that's the way it is. And yet you all see some real dangers in the way we do dating today with our kids, don't you? Yeah, what we call the dating game is currently being played in in most Christian families. And it cultivates romantic, fantasy love before children are emotionally, physically, and spiritually mature enough to have a relationship with the opposite sex. And One-on-one dating leads couples to spending too much time alone at the time when the sex drive is at an all-time peak for a young man. I mean, it's like taking gunpowder and striking a match, Mm -hmm. leaving them alone to experience some of these feelings. Another thing, too, that we've seen with our kids is that they don't have the maturity to make a wise choice about who to spend time with. They often make their choices of who they're going to like based on just who's available, because everybody else has a boyfriend or girlfriend, and so they decide they need to have somebody, and so they just sort of pick somebody. They don't think through, what is this person's values? They don't think through, is this person good for me or not good for me, or what kind of family does he or she come from? They're just kind of desperate, and so they just pick somebody. Boy, you know, as you describe that, I'm just going to give a word of testimony. One of my most (laughs) distinctive memories of junior high is thinking, I need a girlfriend. Yeah. I don't care Mm -hmm. who. Who's available? And I wonder if I can get her to like uh-huh. me. And and really going off and pursuing not a girl, but a girlfriend, not a particular person, didn't really matter as long as I could go to parties with a girl there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it looks like child's play because they're, they're children. 
they're not even in many cases into puberty yet, and yet they have these emotional attachments that they develop. Romance begins to stir the soul, and it looks for a way to express itself. And the way that romance expresses itself in most people is physically. Mm -hmm. We begin to show physical affection and appreciation for the other person. And once that starts, where does that lead? And I think that alone is one of the biggest cases against allowing your child to date before they're spiritually mature enough and emotionally mature enough to handle the feelings that come with adolescence. Mm -hmm. Another thing that happens when kids begin to pair off is they begin to have their needs met by that other person. And even if your child comes from a strong home where you uh, and your spouse are giving that child the attention and the affection and uh, everything that he needs or she needs to be secure, once an attachment takes place with someone else and your child hooks up with another uh, boy or girl and they become an item at school – even with the best that you're doing at home, they're going to choose to get their needs met from that other person mm-hmm. because that's more convenient. Mm-hmm. They're at school together all day long. So even in the best of homes, these kids can hook up with another boy or girl and get those emotional needs met for love and security and attention and everything through that relationship. And then they come home and spend all evening on the phone, and mom and dad's influence is cut to nothing. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why you don't have the influence yeah. on them. And, and you know what? We've experienced this. We've watched – Uh, Some of our children establish these exclusive relationships, and we've experienced the loss. We wonder, what's going to happen to my relationship with that child? Well, the reality is someone else is getting that relationship, and someone else is having the influence, Mm -hmm. and someone else is shaping the values, and someone else is charting a course for that young person's life. And you know what? It's not their husband or their wife. They're not married, but in many cases, a lot of these teenagers are acting like they're married, Mm -hmm. and they're sharing things Mm -hmm. emotionally and physically that were only intended to be shared in marriage. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, with all of this stuff that you've talked about, dangers in dating, why go anywhere near it? Why let your kids anywhere near it? Why don't you just seal them up until they're 19, put them in a closet somewhere, and then let them get out? Mm-hmm. And I think start... it's a good idea. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because, because they lock people up for that, Bob. <laughs> I think every parent listening to us says, yeah, I'll I've, vote I've for that. About that. But you can go to jail for that you know, yeah. today. I think what we want to do is, is we want to look at how we can help our children begin to have a healthy respect for the opposite sex – have a healthy respect for their own identity, and and then begin to learn how to relate to the opposite sex and develop relationships that Friendships. don't, yeah, that don't necessarily mm-hmm. become romantic right. relationships. Yeah, your right. your children, Barbara, have been on dates, but it's been different than what we think of when we think of kids dating or going together. You've really tried to to ride herd on not letting them become romantically attached. Yeah, and the big thing is to make sure that they're not alone because that is when all the dangerous stuff happens is when they're alone. So what we've tried to do with all of our kids and increasingly so with our younger ones, we're we're getting more and more involved in this area. We're becoming more and more mm-hmm. proactive in this area than we even were with our older ones, with our we are now with our younger kids. And that is when we do allow them to go out and it is a good bit later than what probably is is the norm in the culture. Um, We've tried to create an environment where they go with another group of kids 
and they have activities that they do together that are group centered so that it's so that they're just not, that they're never alone they don't have the opportunity to enter into those temptations and then yield to them. Mm-hmm. So they go as a group and they come home as a group and they do things at our house with groups. And we're trying to foster the idea of developing a friendship with another guy rather than developing a romance. Mm-hmm. Our daughter Ashley is is newly married and, and uh, used to complain a bit that she felt like the younger children in our family were getting advantages <laughs> that she didn't get. And Barbara and I were just talking the other day the younger children in our family are actually getting tougher boundaries and stricter boundaries than Ashley ever thought about having. Mm-hmm. And the reason is the advantage of a big family. We've had six children, and after a while you begin to recognize certain things are patterns. They occur every year a child turns 13. <laughs> certain things, certain chemistries begin to happen, and you realize it's going to happen, and so you go, I don't have to go there. Mm-hmm. I don't have to allow my child to you go there. You can head this right. off at of the pass. That's right. exactly right. And rather than running an ambulance service down at the bottom of the cliff, you build the fence way in, in inland <laughs> at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. away from the edge so that the child has a chance to be successful without experiencing all the scars and and um, harmful effects of of relationships. And some parents at this point probably wonder if we're making too big a deal out of this. I don't think so. I really don't. I think one of the most dangerous things that's occurring today is giving our young people too much freedom before they are emotionally or physically or spiritually mature enough to make these life-altering decisions. Mm-hmm. And moms and dads, it's, it's us. We are the ones responsible, not the child. They are the child. We're the adults. We must assume the responsibility God has given to us as being the guardians and the protectors of our children mm-hmm. all the way through adolescence. Mm-hmm. Barbara, let's say it's uh, spring break week and one of your children comes to you and says, hey, mom, there's a group of kids going to the mall to see a movie. And let's assume it's a movie that's acceptable. There are a few of those out these <laughs> days, but let's just assume there's an acceptable film there. There's a group going, and they called, and they want to know if I can go. And you ask the question, is it boys and girls? And the answer is yes. How old does the child have to be before the answer is, yes, you can go? Well, there isn't really a specific age limit, although generally it would be 15 or 16 in our family. At the earliest. Right. Primarily, the decision would be based upon the maturity level of that child mm-hmm. is has this kid demonstrated to us that he or she can be trusted to be alone with a bunch of kids unsupervised by adults mm-hmm. then i would want to know who those kids are how they're getting there how they're getting back how long they're going to be there and just all the details and do i need to be driving and all that kind of stuff but if if we let one of our kids go and do that with a group we would want to know those specifics about the situation, but it would all depend on that child and their responsiveness to us. Over in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 8 through 10, Solomon speaks of what's called a little sister. Mm -hmm. And there were actually two of them in that passage, one who was spoken of as a wall, the other one spoken of as a gate. The wall was the sexually pure the one who was in control of her own emotions and and one that was managing 
adolescence well, mm-hmm. I think. And the gate is the girl, or for that matter, a guy, who would be too sexually open or too free with the opposite sex. Uh, what happened in that passage was Solomon celebrated the wall, and he built a cedar barricade around the gate. <laughs> he didn't give the gate freedom. Mm-hmm. He protected the gate. He celebrated the right choices of the girl who was the wall. And I think as parents, what we've got to do is truly watch how our sons and our daughters are. And that's what Barbara's talking about here. And give them additional responsibility, additional freedom as they've been a wall. And then if they show tendencies to being the gate, pull out the cedar Mm -hmm. and start hammering away at that barricade. You've got kids, though, in high school. Before they can go watch a movie in the middle of the afternoon with a mixed group of kids unsupervised. High school. Yeah, we do. And she didn't blink either. (laughs) No, she didn't. (laughs) And I'm sure some of your kids have looked at you and said, Mom, Uh i got to wait till high school? Well, and a lot of it, too, depends on who the kids are. Because, see, if, if I'm involved with my children like I am, I know who their friends are and who might be somebody that they would be interested in romantically. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to send my kids off in a mixed group with a bunch of truly buddy friends, and it's another thing to send them off to a movie in a mixed group where there might be somebody that they're really interested in. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to know who it is and who's going and how they're getting there so that I can make sure that that the group is really the group that is supposed to be there and somebody doesn't slip in from the outside and they pair up in the movie theater. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the kinds of things that kids – are going to do. You know, they'll say, I'm going to go with this group, but so-and-so shows up and sits with us. And so you've, you've got to ask 50 zillion questions to finally find out what the facts are. A couple of nights ago, we had some friends over at the house, uh, Scott and Teresa, and our, our daughters were all just huddled up around the table. It was a fascinating evening, and we got off talking about this. And our teenage daughters were all there talking, and Scott asked our oldest about dating. And both Barbara and I had our jaws nearly dropped to the floor, Bob, as our teenage daughter, Rebecca, who um, is 17 years old, said to Scott, she said, well, as you raise your girls, don't let them date until they get out of high school. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. And I mean, this, this. You ran for the tape recorder, didn't you? I, I said, yeah. can we get that? Can we get yeah. fingerprints? Exactly. And, and we got eyewitnesses. Can we get this in writing? Um, they do begin to get the point after a while. They begin to understand, you know what? Dating ends up in, in heartbreaking situations where you lose your boyfriend and you cry for nights on end. And there's. It's just not worth it's it. It's not worth finally- it. It figure really, it out. It really isn't, and it's worth far more to teach them how to develop a friendship and to keep relationships mm-hmm. at that level. What what right. age do they have to be before they can go on a double date with somebody, you know, to the prom in the car? Well, probably it would be 17. We used to say 16, but we're see, we're getting tighter on this, so yeah. it's probably going to be more like 17. Junior year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the earliest, again. Mm-hmm. What about a single date where you just go out with a young man for dinner for the evening? Probably well, uh, right now where we are on that, we would probably not encourage that to happen. At all ever? Uh, well, in, 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 high, in school. high school, yeah. yeah in high Although, school. you know, there, you know, we might make an exception depending on who the young man is and if they really – we really feel like we can trust him and her and this really is just going to be a friendship kind of thing and it's not going to be – 
turn into anything else, you know, we might do that. But it, it takes an enormous amount of time and energy to figure out if that really is the case. And and even as I said that, I'm thinking our daughter, who's 17, has gone and gotten coffee with, quote, a friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a has couple sit, of times. Uh, and has sat there talking. But it's it's not a friend that she has any kind of romantic interest in. Now, here's an important point as parents ride herd on this issue. Your kids are going to look in the eye and they say, but I'm not interested in them romantically. Mm-hmm. If that's so, why are you holding their hand? I don't hold my best friend's hand. Mm-hmm. Holding hands is not a sign of, of friendship. friendship in this culture. Mm-hmm. It may be over in Europe, but it's not <laughs> yet in America. It is usually a sign of affection. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Romantic it, affection. That's right. And you, you know what? It is, it's astounding as parents how dumb I can be. I have had our children look me back in the eye and say, but it's just a friendship. And I go, yeah, it's just a friendship. Then I get back and I go, wait a second. No, no, no. They were sitting beside each other. They were holding hands on the bus. Hold it. Wait a second. There's more going on here. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> and it's, it's as a parent, what is there about us that we question ourselves and our own judgment? Mm-hmm. Our judgment is not in question here. Hold it. I'm the parent. I'm counseling myself, by the yes, way, right now. Right. But I am the parent, and, and I have to be reminded from time to time that I need to reassert myself, and it's almost pull the sword out and put it on my shoulders and say, you're the one that has the authority in this situation. Don't back off. Mm-hmm. Don't become a, uh, a wimp. Don't lack courage. Step into that relationship. And, and when they give you some baloney like that and tell you it's just a friendship, call their cards out and say, oh, uh-uh. come on. No way, Jose. Mm-hmm. That's, that's more than just a friendship. Yeah. Aren't these kinds of restrictions or rules going to make your kids the nerds of the world in the, the school where they're going? Well, it may be. But, you know, I, I, I think that's okay. I, I think that it's more important for our kids, we've decided, to protect them as best we can from being hurt and wounded um, and in relationships that they are not mature enough to handle. Um, and and you, can, you can do some things to help ensure that that they don't feel unduly punished by this. I mean, you, you, you invite kids over to your house and you have lots of friends around and you encourage mm-hmm. them to have their same-sex friends spend the night, you know, all that kind of stuff so that, so that they don't feel that they're isolated and left alone and stuck in a tower until they're 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Instead of the closet. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I just think it's important enough for us. We've decided it's important enough that I, I will risk that my kids will feel strange and different and i think that's okay i would rather they feel strange different feel like a nerd and be safe than let them ride with all the other kids in the herd and get hurt and get tangled up in emotional and physical relationships that they don't need here is where a mom and a dad need to be as shrewd as they can be single parents same deal you ought to rally some other parents with you mm-hmm. see if you can't go set up a parents meeting and say can we huddle up here can can we all agree to something where we kind of share some common values? And maybe you don't agree all the way down to the nth degree. And, Bob, that's one of the things that concerns me about some of the movements that are occurring within the Christian community right now. They get so exclusive, so nailed down, so tight that anybody who's outside their own little prescribed way of doing things, they just they, – they fracture and fragment and can't fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. And that's not the kind of unity we need today. Christian families need to be – 
bonding together and banding together and, and helping one another raise these children on into maturity. Because you know what? These teenagers today desperately need the community of Christians to make it and to finish the process of adolescence and to make it to adulthood and, and to become God's man and God's woman. And I just think it's time for all of us to come alongside each other and to help one another raise these children. Thanks for listening to Family Life today. For more downloadable audio programs or other resources, visit our website at familylife.com.